The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. You have about two weeks left to get your 25 under 25 nominations. And if you're a company that has fewer than 25 employees and you have been doing business in the Kansas City metro area for at least three years and you're for profit, you qualify. There are other things that you will be judged on once you're nominated and you receive your application form, but those are the basic eligibility qualifications. You can go out to 25under25.com. You can self-nominate, and if you do business with a company that meets those qualifications, be sure to nominate them. This is the 14th annual program, and we have heard over the years all the benefits that this awards program accrues to the winners. So do yourself a favor. Go out in the next couple of days and nominate your small business. It only takes a few minutes. We only ask for contact information, and you can do that at 25under25.com. Our guest today is Tiffany Wright. She's the founder and president of The Resourceful CEO, which is a strategic and financial advisory firm that provides short-term and project-based C-level management. Tiffany wrote Solving the Capital Equation, Financing Solutions for Small Businesses, and The Funding is Out There. Both these books talk about whom, what, when, and how to finance small to medium-sized businesses, and she's also the author of the e-book, Help, I Need Money for My Business Now, and I'm sure there's a a lot of us in that situation as small business owners. So we're going to get all kinds of advice from Tiffany Wright about financing our businesses when we get back from the next break. We'll be back. Looking to establish your brand as an industry leader? Want to deliver helpful, relevant content to your niche audience? Look no further. Our staff at Custom Publishing can produce branded newsletters, magazines, podcasts, and so much more. We'll take you from concept to distribution or assist you with any stage in between. Writing, editing, design, audio production, voiceovers, digital, print. If you have a communication need, we have a solution. Call 913-831-8100. Call us today and discuss the possibilities. That's 913-831-8100 for all your custom publishing needs. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And as I said, our guest today is Tiffany Wright. She is the founder and president of The Resourceful CEO, and she's written a couple of different books on financing your small business. Welcome to the show today, Tiffany. Thank you, Kelly. I'm glad to be here. Now, as I said, you founded a company called The Resourceful CEO, and you lead a team of consultants that Focus on working with small to medium-sized businesses. What do you help these business owners do? Well, typically we go in because they have funding issues or they're having profitability issues, and we help them obtain the funding that they seek, increase their cash flow, and improve their profitability. Okay. You know, there's a lot of businesses out there that, aren't profitable. I mean, at any given time, (laughs) there are, and I know I'm not telling you anything new. I guess the question that I have, though, is how do you tell when you go into a company whether or not they need help getting to profitability or whether it's just best to 
close the doors. If I'm a business owner and I'm contemplating, do I really have a shot at turning this around? What are some of the questions I should be asking myself if I should continue to struggle forward or just cut my losses and and close up shop? Well, if you're having difficulty and you're, or significant difficulty and you're really stressed, which most business owners are by the time they get to that point, then you need to bring in someone from the outside because what happens is you, you're you so far down in the weeds, you mm-hmm. can't really see anymore. Your creativity is limited. Your perspective is limited. So you need to bring in someone, whether it's a consultant, an advisor, another business owner, um, friend of yours, acquaintance, whatever, but you need to bring in someone else to help you gain perspective. That's one. Mm-hmm. And two, um, Regarding whether or not the business should continue, it depends. It depends on what the problem is and how long that problem has been going on. So I know of one business that had the business had been failing for so long that they had exhausted all of their retirement to fund the business, Uh. and the market had dried up. A competitor had come in and taken many of their customers, and so really they had no more business. But in other situations, if the customers are still there or uh, if the you know if you change your product line, if there's operational issues that you can't address, as long as you still have enough cash in the bank or, you know, the opportunity to either bring in more customers or increase the amount you get from customers or make changes, then the business is salvageable. So typically the business is salvageable. But I will say that time is not on your side. If, you, yeah. if you've been having a lot of if – you, if you're losing money and you're stressed, don't let that continue for eight months or nine months or even, you know, if you're a larger company, a year or more. After you start to get stressed after two to three months, begin looking for solutions. Absolutely. Now, some people would say, and you, you know, you're you're in the business of helping business owners find sources of capital. Some people would say that too much money is also at the root of some of the issues. Uh, can you speak to that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, for the average business, that's not the case. Right. But <laughs> but we do know that um, I know back in the what the late nineties, the startup firms that received a significant amount of cash and then blew through it in a year and a half and failed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, too much money can hide all of the underlying operational issues that your company has. And and I've seen that with companies that have grown significantly. Right. They have a cash management problem, and I think that that's one of the biggest issues that is masked by too much money. They have a receivables problem or they have other underlying operational issues that money, you know, money doesn't allow you to see. And I, you know, I have to say this, and sometimes people think that I'm, you know, I'm not popular because I say this. Um, (laughs) Go right ahead. (laughs) Economic downturns or recessions are a good thing. Now, you know, when they're like a depression, no, but what it does is it requires companies to get back to basics, to yes. look at their fundamentals, and to address each and every operational issue that they can identify. And it takes the math, you know, it takes the money away or takes some of the money away if your company is not 
properly structured or if your operations are properly structured. So that's why I say that, you know, if your company is not properly structured, for instance, there's a lot of companies out there that just focus on price, but they Mm -hmm. don't really deliver much more value to their customers than a good price. Well, in an economic downturn, pricing becomes highly competitive, and a lot of those companies go out of business. So, right. Yes. Yeah. They were bar- by cutting the price. They were barely surviving on the margins that they had, and then when they have to cut further during a, a time of more intense competition, then they just get excluded. They get wiped off the board. And then conversely, if they've been spending too extravagantly, or if they have, as you say, organizational or structural issues that aren't efficient, then you can't continue to tolerate that during a downturn. And it really kind of, it's it's sort of a Darwinianism sort of <laughs> principle that you're talking about there. Yes. This this is true. But I want to give one example. There was a company, a friend of mine is a turnaround consultant for medium-sized businesses. So there was this company that had grown from 20 million to 100 million in the space of three years. And what happened was they incentivized their salespeople to focus on the top line. Also, they didn't incentivize their salespeople to um, get the money. Right. So the salespeople sold, 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 and they did, fortunately, along the way, they did realize the issue with the top line and they shifted to gross margin. Mm-hmm. But the salespeople weren't invested in collecting. Fortunately, this company required deposits. So as they kept bringing in new customers and new customers, they would get deposits. But this masked the fact that they had receivables that were like 240 days outstanding. And they had a significant number. So when the downturn came along and they stopped getting all these new customers with new deposits, they had a serious cash problem. And they had investors, and that's how my... My friend came along and stepped in as their CFO, and someone else stepped in as as the CEO to get everything back on track. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean by, yes, too much money can mask problems. Right, very definitely. So what are some of the ways that a company that is truly cash-strapped, but if circumstances were changed and some of the tweaks you mentioned before, if those were implemented – you know, they could be successful, but they need a cash infusion as one of those those tweaks. What are some of the ways that companies can get a capital injection that they might not think about? So often we tend to think about, oh, family members or friends uh, or angel invest, other angel investors or, you know, bank loans. But there's a lot of other ways as well. What, what are some of the ones that you see that are often overlooked? Well, there's different types of financing. There's something called venture loans, and that's for typically for retailers and wholesalers that are doing over a million dollars a year. There's purchase order financing, which I generally don't espouse because, you know, most companies provide accounts receivable financing, but purchase order financing is something that if you, for instance, if you, got a, if you received a contract with the government or another high credit company, then you can use the purchase order to to begin to fill that order. So obviously mm-hmm. this is for product companies. <laughs> right, <laughs> not right. For, not for service companies. No, no, it wouldn't work too well. <laughs> right, yes. There's crowdfunding. Yes. Um, and so if you have a product or if you have a service that you can productize, mm-hmm. crowdfunding can be helpful, especially for companies that have under a million in revenue. Let's see, there's... Can I stay with crowdfunding for just a minute there? Okay. 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 Um, Crowdfunding, in addition to bringing dollars in the door, especially for new companies or even pre-revenue companies, it's a great way uh, to use 
others that you may not have had access to before as a focus group for whether or not there's even interest in the product. And yes. so, so that's another benefit of crowdfunding. Well, yes, you're absolutely right. It allows you to, to test the concept for much cheaper than you typically could because previously you had to do, um, what does that call it, focus formal, groups, yeah, formal focus or you had groups. to hire mm-hmm. people to do surveys, all these types of things. And now with crowdfunding, you can just take it directly to the market and you can tweak your product based on the responses you get. Right. So we've talked about venture loans. We've talked about crowdfunding. What are some of the other often overlooked sources that businesses really did? They're really a good option for businesses to tap into. Okay. Um, before going more into traditional sources, I want, especially for smaller businesses, mm-hmm. I want them to think creatively because when you complete an executive summary for angel investment, for bank loans, whatever. You're supposed to put an section in there about sources and uses of funds. That's why are you using the money. So obviously, if you need equipment, one option is to get an equipment loan. Um, I just talked to a, um, a client that was looking to build a facility and hire more people, and he's a tech-related business, and he received funding from the county. So he was able to purchase land from the county at a significantly reduced price. And they've also offered all these tax abatements when he starts to build his his facility. But I've also seen companies receive bonds. Again, really? That's bonds? A little bit larger. Yeah. Um, bonds from the, redel- from the development entities in their county or state. So keep that in mind. But in terms of thinking creatively, it's what are you trying to do? Are you trying to market? Is that what you need the funds for? So perhaps there's a larger entity in your market or co-op, you know, a little friendly co-optition, competitive competition would be good with someone in your area. And by that, I mean that you can partner or you can you can co-market or you mm-hmm. can glob your product or service onto theirs as an add-on and let them do everything. For instance, I had a client that sold educational software programs into schools, well, Macmillan, the textbook company, yes. uh-huh. actually sold his product for him into the schools because they liked it so much and it was an add-on product for them. Mm-hmm. And so you're basically so talking they, about, right there, you're talking about increasing your distribution channel to bring in cash and sales that you might not have otherwise yes. been able well, to. Well, yes, yeah. but actually what Macmillan did was give him a $1.5 million loan. Ah, because they believed in the product and they, they knew that he needed to develop it in order for them to sell it. I so see. that's what I mean. You just never know what may come of that. So I, I say look for partners, strategic partners or strategic investors, larger entities that may be interested in what you have to offer. And the larger the company, the typically the longer the investment consideration process. But once they're in, they tend not to be as invasive as angel. Yes. I mean, not angel, but as venture, venture capitalists. capitalists. Right. Yes. More invasive than angel, typically, but less than venture capitalists. But again, the whole process started with, I need this particular type of, this is what I need the money for. I need it for marketing. So who can I reach out to who could potentially cover my marketing costs? Mm-hmm. You know, another one that you hear about from time to time, and, and so there's always kind of this little shroud around it about whether it's legitimate or even legal, and that's bartering. Does mm-hmm. that, is that a good option for, especially for small businesses? It is. And let me say, I, I worked at Enron, mm-hmm. and we always did a lot of swaps, especially... <laughs> Okay, especially 
in the broadband services. So we would swap space on one line, on one cable, for space on another, and these swaps were worth tens of millions of dollars. So it's not just for small companies. Okay. And when you participate in a barter transaction, there's gap accounting rules that cover bartering. It's recognized as revenue when it's earned, and expenses are recognized when earned. So anyways, yes, I am a big big advocate of bartering because it saves your cash. Yes. But it only makes sense to barter if it's a, a product or service that you need. Absolutely. Sometimes I see people bartering, and they don't really need it, but they they kind of feel like, well, you know, I should know. Yeah, well, another tra- another trap I see small business owners fall into is to barter for personal things too. It does no good for the business. That that's absolutely right because you're supposed when you barter the revenue of the barter so whatever service you're delivering, say if you're delivering $50,000 worth of services, you have to recognize that as revenue. But if you're getting something personal in return, you can't recognize it as an expense because that's not a business issue. That's not a business item. Right. (laughs) Or you shouldn't be anyway. (laughs) Tiffany, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about some more ways that business owners can quickly tap into some cash or capital. And we'll talk about that when we get back. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Thinking Bigger Business Media is accepting nominations for the 14th Annual 25 Under 25 Awards. These prestigious awards recognize 25 outstanding businesses with under 25 employees. We're looking for dynamic Kansas City area for-profit companies with under 25 employees that have been in business at least three years and have shown steady growth, a commitment to the community, and an ability to overcome challenges. If your company or a company you do business with qualifies for the 25 under 25 awards fill out a nomination form online at 25under25.com that's 25under25.com or call 913-432-6690 for details self-nominations are encouraged apply now nominations are now open and close october 14 for 25 under 25 Special thanks to our sponsor, UMB. Visit 25under25.com to nominate your business. Hi, I'm Jason Lofton, CEO, President of QTI Incorporated. Every Friday, we discuss ways for small business owners to prosper and excel in their industry. So join us every Friday, 10 a.m. Central Time, right here on the Small Business Thinking Bigger Radio Network. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with Tiffany Wright. She is the founder and president of The Resourceful CEO, a company that helps business owners find access to capital, among a lot of other problems that they help to solve. She's written two books and an e-book on how to find money for your business as well. And when we went to break, Tiffany, we were talking about some of the sources of capital that are often overlooked, and we were just finishing up on barter. Are there other ways, before we leave that particular topic, are there other ways that businesses can get capital? We've talked about strategic partnerships, bartering, uh, venture loans. Um, seems like there was one more, but uh, we've talked about several. Are there are there some others? Yes. Yes, indeed, there are. There's... Um, one thing I like to point out is um, others can underwrite your loans. Um, so True. when you're looking for an investor, you don't always need them to inject money. Um, sometimes you can 
um, get them to, to, to guarantee a loan. And the good thing is that you can work with the bank or whomever is providing the loan and have and um, release the guarantee over a period of time once mm-hmm. you hit certain milestones. You know, when okay. we talk about financing growth, a lot of times we often think about equipment, materials, other tangible items. Maybe it's time to buy a building or, you know, th- things like that. But one of the things that we sometimes overlook to finance is the people that we need to fuel our growth. And again, I'm not just talking about operational staff, production staff. I'm talking about C-level staff. There are times when you have to bring in, as you're growing, C-level staff that really know more than you do about a company at that stage of growth. And that's a big, big leap for small business owners to make. How can they afford the salaries that come with these positions, and how can they be competitive in attracting that kind of talent? That's an excellent question. One way that I've said is, and I do advocate that you give up as little equity as possible, especially earlier on when you have a smaller valuation. You know, it, it just makes things easier as you go along. And also, you, you want to make sure that you retain majority ownership of your company until you consciously decide that you no longer want to. You don't just want to end up giving it away and looking look at it and go, oh, my goodness, what happened? Right, right, right. And finally, you struggled <laughs> um, all those years on a shoestring, and then when you finally <laughs> uh, make that jump, if you've given away the majority, you're not going to see as much of the benefits. That's right. Yeah. You're not going to reap the benefits. But you can entice high-level management in with options or restricted stock or some kind of equity participation in the company, or if you actually have a few contracts lined up, you could entice them with an earning share or a profit mm, sharing. Mm-hmm. So it looks like equity, but it's not. Right. Is that the same but, as phantom stock? I hear that term occasionally. Is that the same as phantom stock? It's similar to phantom stock, but a little bit different. Okay. And phantom stock is typically used in companies that have, have what do you call it, more formalized stock structures, okay. whereas most smaller businesses don't typically have that kind of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, in place. But yes, I think that offering a smaller salary, but offering some kind of equity participation is a way to attract. And then focusing on what the business can provide the person. What mm-hmm. What is the person looking for and what do you think the business can do? Because remember, they're helping you to get to the next level. So if they, if you can position a company and believe and get them to believe in it, so yes, today they may only make $50,000 when they're used to making 250000 but in a year and a half, they may have a, an equity investment worth Three hundred or four hundred thousand sure. dollars. So obviously that would be very appealing. So it's your positioning of your company. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that you uh, sometimes hear about are our business owners who are just frustrated with banks because they can't get a loan. What are some just quick tips? We only have a, a minute or so left here. What are some quick tips that you can give for businesses that have to been turned down by banks and? You know, they say want to try to go back to them. What What are some quick tips you can offer? Okay, first quick tip is you need to be profitable. Most small business owners focus on reducing their taxes, which happens, to, which makes their business look like there's negative profit. Especially as corporations, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So banks want to finance companies that will have some sustainability. So you need to switch to making that a profitable business. Two, you need to look at your cash flow because you're going to 
you're paying back your company out of cash flow. So look at your receivables and your payables and draw up a little cash management projection. That would be very, very helpful. Do a little two- to five-page executive summary of your business because it shows that you're thinking of your business as something that's ongoing. But most important, get an introduction. If you don't already have one, get an introduction to a VP level or above at your at a community bank or at the bank that you're currently at. I've had so many business owners tell me, yes, I have a relationship, and then I delve into it. That's not a relationship. It's basically they walk in and the people know them. That is not a relationship. <laughs> the people at the Keller window, right. <laughs> right. A relationship is when they, you sit down with your banker on a quarterly basis and you discuss what your business is doing, and they're interested in you and they want to help you grow. That's a relationship, and I always say follow the banker, not the bank, because once you develop that, that's Great priceless. advice. Yeah, that is excellent advice. Tiffany, thank you so much for all of your insights today. We really appreciate you getting up early this morning and talking with us. <laughs> thank you. And if somebody would like to <laughs> learn you, more Kelly. about your company and, and you, Tiffany, how would they do that? Well, the resourcefulceo.com, you can connect with us through our website. And then also my new book, The Funding, is out there. Access the Cash You Need to Impact Your Business will be available in bookstores and on Barnes & Noble. It's already available in ebook on Amazon, but that goes live as of October 7th. Okay, thank you so much again. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.